The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning and welcome back, my friends, to another episode of the Source of Truth podcast. And thank you again for giving us a chance to be part of your day and to study the Word of God together on this Wednesday morning and Wednesday edition of our podcast. And we're so glad you're with us. Whether you're watching this live at 11 o'clock or catching it archived at another time, thank you again for the privilege to be part of your day. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 90 this morning. Psalm chapter 90, and before we jump into the passage and read it, I just want to start with some introductory thoughts, and I guess it asks the question, kind of immediately leaning towards people of a little bit uh, that have some experience and um, age behind them. I don't want to call them old, that'd be rude, but you know, those of us who have some experience behind us. You ever had a time when you're trying to teach somebody something, you're trying to and give them advice. And the younger generation below is, is, for whatever reason you're trying to advise, is more concerned about teaching you something than they are about learning. I think all of us at some point in our life have been like that. Uh, We are up on the newest technology or the newest trends, and we look at people older than us, and what we see is we see somebody who uh, is still maybe living in the trend from when they grew up or the thinking. Uh, they haven't adapted. Today, today makes it even worse because technology has expanded so quickly and has expanded so much that a lot of times you've got these younger kids, these younger kids, by the way, who grew up with this because surrounded by it, so it makes sense to them. Um, I'm in a unique scenario because I grew up and kind of it all began to explode as I was entering high school, uh, leaving high school, entering college, coming out. And so I've been able to watch it develop from, you know, dial-up internet now to smartphones and things of that nature. And, but it's easy for the younger generation to be immediately assume that because I can work my phone easier or I understand a little more about technology or the lingo or texting lingo or whatever term you want, it's, immediate, it's easy for us to immediately assume, obviously, I know more about life because I know more about my iPhone or my Samsung phone or my smartphone or whatever than my grandparents or than my parents because I can, you know, they can't even figure out a smartphone. If they can't figure out a smartphone, they can't figure out life. And sometimes for parents, it can be frustrating because there's so much information they have they want to offer that the children sometimes don't. Can I tell you though, I think that, you know, I find myself in a unique scenario as a pastor. I'm 44, so I find myself in the middle here. I don't, I like to think I'm not the, uh, I'm not part of the old crowd yet. Maybe that's just me wanting to think that. Uh, but I, I, I find myself in a unique opportunity right in the middle where I see the younger generation and their desire to move forward and, and find their place, uh, but being frustrated sometimes, maybe feeling they're being held back by the older generation. Sometimes the older generation looks down and, and you know, sometimes doesn't recognize to give opportunity, but yet sees so much that the younger generation is missing and because we're not grabbing from them, we're not learning. And if you ever see that, you ever see somebody who is refusing to take just a small level of advice as somebody who's experienced things, you're going to say, it's going to come back to haunt you. Uh, when I, before I went in the ministry, while I was at college, I worked in different aspects of retail and fast food environment. And one of the things you had to do is you had to train people, train people on how to use equipment, train people on what you're supposed to do. And especially in the, believe it or not, the fast food environment, this is extremely important. 
important because there's so much hot equipment back there. And if you do something wrong, you can seriously hurt yourself. And I have watched people who have chosen to ignore policies and hurt themselves as a result of it. And you sit back and say, if you just followed, it would be different. That mindset can get there. Can I encourage you that in the battle from the youngest generation, Gen Z now, all the way up to the oldest generation of grandparents and great-grandparents, this will be a battle that we will fight most of our lives. But I want us to go back and ignore the, ba- the, the I, don't, I don't want to call it a battle, it's not really, to, to ignore the, that thinking for a minute and look at all of us in our evaluation in the same area, but towards a different perspective, not to each other, but to God. Psalm chapter 90, verse number one, the Bible says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth, and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou, hast turn, thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are as but as yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch in the night, thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourishes and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. So you look at these passages, and one of the first things, you have two different aspects. You get an idea for a few minutes to see Moses as he's speaking here, as he praises and he gives his view of God. And then we get a perspective of man and the two things. And and I I would say this, this is a phenomenal lesson for us to learn. We talked a little bit about this Sunday morning and the idea where in Psalm 86, teach me thy way, O Lord, thou art God alone. And if we can't really ever see that perspective, and allow God to have his position, and therefore allow God to have the freedom to teach me as is what I need, I'll miss out on so much of what God has for my life. And that's what we see here. I have to recognize God's position and who he is and his greatness and his sovereignty, and, and then I must recognize myself. And so let's, rec- let's look at these passages and break them down. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. One commentator said he believed that was obviously speaking of the wilderness. And I would agree with that. Moses was going through the wilderness, but I'll be honest, I think it's more than that. It's the, the generations before they got you know, enslaved in Egypt, you know, when, where Joseph, God used Joseph to protect uh, Jacob and his family from the famine of the day. And then later on it was, he was faithful in Egypt, then he was faithful to bring him out of Egypt, then he was faithful through the wilderness, and then in Canaan. There's so many things, and obviously it's Moses speaking, but we can look at all of this, and we can see his faithfulness to, to, the, to Jacob's family, to Israel, to generations. The same thing we can say, he has been our dwelling place you know, in times. I guess the idea is when they didn't have a place, when they didn't have a place to call home, and the wilderness was their place. God was still their dwelling place. When you don't know what's going on or where your place is in the earth and in your different age, a different part of where you are in life, it's easy to look and say, where am I? Who am I supposed to be? Can I encourage you that no matter where you are and you don't know what the future brings, God should be your dwelling place. That's the thing we should still focus, that my relationship with God is what I want to develop and he's the place that I should spend. I should find refuge. Verse two, before the mountains were brought forth or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. You know, it simplistically states, before the earth was created, before mountains were brought forth, before anything, before the earth was created. I think you have to take into account a very clear point of view, and Moses is clearly saying something in verse 2 and stating in the inspiration of Scripture that God was the one that formed the earth. He was the one that created the earth. 
And so we go back, and there's, a, there's so much we could pull from that thought. We talk about the greatness of God. We talk about the fact that God created the earth. He knows what's going on. Therefore, there's a great accountability to mankind. One of the reasons in our culture that evolution is pushed so much as a matter of fact, evolution, every scientist will tell you it's still a theory because they can't prove all the links, but it's considered the acceptable theory of the day. I remember when I was actually testifying in a court case years ago uh, for a, a young lady who wanted to put her son in our school and her and the father didn't want to. And so I was, I was testifying and the judge looked down or one of the accusations to us as a Christian education was that we, are, we were intolerant, that we only taught one thing and they referenced creation as the, as the thing. And they said, obviously, you're not going to teach the kids a full, round, balanced perspective because you're going to teach creation as a fact, and you're not going to offer any other alternative. I would dare say that Christian schools actually do, they do teach evolution. Yes, we do teach it as a, not an accurate view, but we do teach the perspectives of it. Uh, well, mostly so we can teach them that why the Bible view of creation is correct. But I, I referenced to this lawyer and then to the judge, I said, I find it intriguing that that's your criticism against Christian-based institutions when the public school would never allow creation to be taught or um, intelligent design, as they would call it, taught in the public realm, that you focus solely on evolution, that is still a theory, and you wouldn't even offer creation as an alternative in there. And both the judge made a, said that's a very good point. The lawyer kind of sat back quietly. Why? Because we live in a day where we don't, we want evolution to be true. Can I tell you, it's, there's so much behind it. If evolution is true, then we're not created by God. We're not accountable to God. If evolution is true, we can kind of live any way we want to. If evolution is true, our view of the future is changed. Everything's falling apart. If God created the earth, which he did. Therefore, he created us, which he did. The future of the earth, the future of our lives and all that is in God's hand. It completely changes the narrative. And Moses reminds us that the narrative is not about us, it's about God. And that's what we need to be reminded of. That since God created the earth, God created everything after he's in control, he knows what's going on. Our focus and our, our hope and our confidence is found in him. He says, verse 3, I'll turn his men to destruction. The word destruction is literally the same word that was used for dust. You know, from dust to dust, God, was, God made us. He goes, we'll return one day back to dust. Simply put, we're here for a short period of time, and then we will go back to the grave. We will go to dust. We are so temporary in our life, but God is permanent. I love verse 4. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past and as a watch in the night. Can you think about that? That to God. The last thousand years are kind of like yesterday. And some of you say, yesterday is a pretty long day. But you look back on, you know, we joke about this. I'm just talking to my daughter as a freshman in college. And, you know, as far as she's concerned, the freshman year, just kind of, you know, everything's new. But by the time you get to your senior year, it seems like, poof, it's gone. And you look back. But I have to be honest. I look back on the fact that I have a 20-year-old, almost 21-year-old son, a daughter, and a freshman in college. And I look back at pictures when they're, you know, three, four, five, six years old, and it feels just like yesterday. You know, and as quickly as that seems to have gone in my life, that's the relation that, that say God to him. That's been the last thousand years. So what's it got to do with anything? We're reminded that God lives out the narrative. God lives out the limitations, outside of the limitations of time. Now, why is that important? Because when I study scripture from Psalm to the prophecies to the New Testament to Revelation and all that's coming, when we look at what God's looking at, he doesn't look back and say, this is, I think, how it's going to turn out, or I'm pretty sure this is going to turn out. Here's what he says, because he lives outside of time. God says, I've already seen how it's going to plan out. 
I already know what Satan's going to do. Please remember, people like to say there's this war between Satan and God. Please understand, Satan is just a demon. He's just an angel. God is God. It's not a war between Satan and God. It's a war of Satan trying to attack God, and God's kind of sitting back like, no, I've already seen what you're going to do. Satan's not omnipotent. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. He's not all-knowing. He doesn't know these things. And God, who lives outside of time, can see. He already knows what Satan's going to do. He already knows how. He already has seen how it's going to end. And he's given a glimpse of it to it. That's the confidence we find in this. We find that God is fully aware. Which you know what that also means? He knows our yesterday. He knows what's going on today. He knows how all of what we're going through is going to end. Isn't that a great source of strength to say, this is what I need to put my trust in? That God knows how all of this is going to end for my family, for my future, my finances, all the different battles I find myself in. God is aware and I should follow him. And don't get me wrong, it's not always easy to follow him because his way is very different than my way, his thoughts and my thoughts. And so I want to go a certain direction. God says, no, this is the way you need to go. And it doesn't always make sense, but that doesn't matter because God sees the end and that's what I need to put my trust in. And that's what I need to put my confidence in. You know, we start at the beginning with this idea that sometimes the younger generation uh, is hesitant to learn. Now, can I encourage you, those of us who are Generation Xers and older, okay, can I encourage you that we can become easily frustrated by millennials and Generation X and say, but they're just not wanting to learn from us. I don't think we were a whole lot better when we were their age. I don't think we were. Everybody has to kind of cut their teeth on life and has to learn. And some of them, unfortunately, will learn from their mistakes, which is sad because they can learn from my mistakes. But the fact is, we can see that. It's easy for us to see that frustration. But may we, instead of seeing that as the battle that grabs our attention, may we see the truth of God and His eternality and our hope, our confidence, and yes, our submission are based on Jesus, on God, and following Him, and trusting Him even when things don't make sense. Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday edition of the Source of Truth podcast. As we do study the Word of God, that is the Source of Truth. Thanks for the chance to be part of your day. Uh, if you are local to our area, I invite you to join us for church tonight. The Bible study starts at 7 in the auditorium for the adults, ends with a time of prayer. Teens and Kids Club will start in their respective areas in a time of uh, just some games and also a time of worship and Bible study themselves. And uh, so if you are, don't have a church to go to tonight in your local area, we invite you to join us. It all starts at 7, gets done shortly after 8 o'clock. Thanks for joining us again today. We look forward to seeing you next time.